I want to start out with something that's very, very important right from the very, very beginning, and that is it's triathlon. What is it not? Isabel, what is it not? Triathlon. That's exactly right. It is not triathlon. Why do people insist on putting the extra vowel sound in there? Please tell me why. It's comforting. It's comforting. It's triathlon. It's duathlon. It's not triathlon. That's exactly right. It's not triathlon. Uh, and speaking of names, speaking of names, that an important thing here is that in the sport of triathlon, at especially the elite or the professional level, people have nicknames. People have race names. I don't know why. I don't know why people have race names. I think I think it's to bring a highlight maybe to something that is a relatively minor sport in the world. You know, you know, if you do triathlon professionally, you're not going to get paid millions of dollars. It's by podcasting that you get paid millions of dollars, right? Right. Exactly right. <laughs> yes, yeah, exactly. We hope, actually. But but there's this whole nickname thing, and it's a very engaging community. Now, have you, have you ever raced triathlon? I haven't. Okay, so, Isabel, brand new to the idea of triathlon, and you've never raced it. But, but what I think you'd find... Uh, is something that that I remember most from, and I think I think it's the reason why I got into triathlon was for my very very first triathlon. Just how uh, embracing the community was. You pass people, people pass you. They always give you <laughs> kudos. I, I don't like that phrase. I don't. Like, I don't even know where that phrase originates from. I don't know. Kudos. I couldn't tell you. Okay, but they give. They congratulate you. They 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 tell you. They say, oh, you know, you're doing really well, or way to go, or you're looking really strong. And I found it on my very, very first triathlon. There you go. Uh, I found it very, very rewarding that people were so encouraging, so encouraging. It doesn't matter if you were passing people, if you were being passed. It was very, very rewarding. And and I don't know where the tri nicknames come from, but you know the pros have them, or a lot of the pros have them. And I've met several of the pros. Very, very fortunate to do so. And it's just this fun side of the sport. I have my race nickname. Okay. I am... The Red Rabbit. That's exactly right. I am the Red Rabbit. For reasons that will remain guarded. Exactly. We'll find it. Maybe, maybe a later pod. Okay. Maybe a later pod. So we've got to come up with... Isabel, what's your race name? Thinking Izzy. You're thinking Izzy? Mm-hmm. You're going all out. You're going oh. to that right to the deep side of the psyche. Yeah. Izzy. Mm-hmm. Okay. Can't tempt you with anything else there. Like um, the Scandinavian maven. Better. You like that better? I just came up with that. How did that? Where, where did that come from? The recesses of my mind. I haven't thought about that at all. That just—that's that, an honest. I'm gonna take it. You're gonna go with the Scandinavian Maven. Do you have any Scandinavian heritage? I don't think so. Okay, but you are from Minnesota. Yes. Okay, born and raised. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's that's practically like being from Copenhagen. Almost. Right. It's cold enough here. True. Okay, so the Scandinavian Maven. I like it. It's very very cool. So we've got you a try nickname now. Something to put. On your road ID. We'll talk about road IDs uh, another day. But excellent. Okay. So you're here with the Red Rabbit and the Scandinavian Maven. Wonderful. Talking about this pod. It's a brand new pod. 2018. Thinking about things. I'm talking to someone who's uh, so someone who's younger than me. Someone who hasn't started any kind of athletic career. But someone who's had uh, some athletic success. Let's just say that throughout this pod, I'm going to try to convince you to become a triathlete. Okay. Okay. Let's just say I'm going to try and convince you. Okay. Consists of three sports, mm-hmm. and those would be swim, bike, run. In that order. Wonderful. Love it. What would it take for me to convince you to become a triathlete? I feel like I'm all right on the run. Okay. I'm medium on the bike. Okay. And the big problem is going to be swimming. The big problem is going to be swimming. I know that 
most people who start triathlon, that's exactly their problem is the swim. It is something to be suffered through mostly. Now, why why do you already just at the very very beginning at the very beginning think ah you know the swim's going to be a, the swim's going to be an obstacle? I've done very little more than doggy paddle. Okay, yeah. so you don't have a background in swimming. Mm-hmm. What about access to a pool? Not like one that you could actually do laps in. We have like a. A leisure pool. Oh, okay, so you yourself, but that uh, that and that wouldn't be all year round, right? No. In order to perform triathlon, are you saying that one of the negatives or one of the one of the uh, handicaps would be just access to a lap pool? Yep. And then a willingness to jump into a lap pool when it's negative thirty-five degrees Celsius outside with wind chill. I know that's where we're at right now, people. On a you know kind of a a, a dark February morning or January morning or whatever it be. Yeah, that pretty much sums it up. Yeah, and it is so difficult. It's such a difficult obstacle to overcome. Even though I've been doing this and training for years now, I still have that I still have that point on those cold winter mornings where it's difficult to think just that mental obstacle of getting in the cold water. And the truth of the matter is, it doesn't matter if it's summer, it doesn't matter if it's fall, spring, winter, the pool's exactly the same temperature. After five minutes of swimming, you don't notice the pool temperature anymore. But there is that mental block. In order to convince you to become a triathlete, I'm going to have to convince you to start swimming. Yes. Okay. And serious swimming, right? Mm-hmm. Not just like plonking about. Yes. Okay. I think I can do it. Okay. I'm not saying I'm not saying in one hour I think I can do it, but I think I'm saying I think I can do it. It's all about beginnings. Mm-hmm. It's all about beginnings. So that's the title of the pod, and that's the theme that we're using. Again, I, I, I uh, maybe we should talk. Maybe we should talk just a little bit about our pedigrees. Being older and having more access to racing, I have completed two Ironmans. This is not a brag. Does this sound like I'm bragging? A little bit. Okay. I've done long course racing. Does that sound better? Okay. I've done some long course racing and a lot of medium course racing and a, a lot of short course racing. How does that sound? Sounds good. It's does, a little vague, but... It's a little vague? Yeah. Okay. How do I unvagify? I don't know. You're going to have to brag. I'm going to have to brag. Okay. <laughs> well, I... I in no means am I uh, Olympian or elite or anything of that level, but I've continued to strive for improvement. Let's just talk a little bit about that. Before we get to our new segment, just outline it for people who are brand new and, and looking at this. Triathlon is a three-discipline three race um, that's continuous, so there's no breaks. You can take a break if you want. Of course, you can always take a break. You can take a break in the middle of a running race. Yeah. Right. That's exactly it. You know, you're feeling tired. You're like, ah, I want to have some jelly bellies. I think I'll just stop on the side of the road. Just do that. How about that? Sure, why not? Exactly. I'm in the middle of a big bike race. We're going a Grand Sportif up the side of this mountain. Heck, why not stay over, dangle your feet in the stream. Mm-hmm. You know, enjoy the day. Yeah. Maybe have a sandwich. Maybe. Okay. It's three, it's three disciplines. Swim, bike, run in that order mostly. And we'll talk about that a little bit in the news section with uh, new racing kind of changing up the order. But swim, bike, run with what we call a T1, so it's transition one in between the swim and the bike, and then transition two is in between the bike and the run. Transition three is typically the after party. That's 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 the best part of racing, right? T3 is the best part of the racing. Begin with a, a, a swim. The swim actually doesn't change super significantly. It might sound like it does, but you have super sprint races, very, very short. That's what I'm going to try to convince you to sign up for. Okay. Super sprint, and that might be as short as 400 yards. 400 yards, quarter mile? Okay. Quarter mile. Okay. Open water, it's going to feel a lot longer. Mm-hmm. But open water, quarter mile. A sprint, 800 yards, and then what we call the international or the Olympic distance will be 1.5K 
which is shorter than a mile. Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. Now, the longest it ever gets, you could say, is Iron Man. There is something above Iron Man called an Ultraman. Mm-hmm. And there is some other long-distance racing, like Lead Man. Because, of course, what's heavier than iron? I'm going to guess lead. Yeah, lead. That, yeah, that's exactly right. There's a Lead Man, or there has been a Lead Man event. And there's, there's, there's various other events, but they're not... Uh, what I want to say is... I don't want to say internationally recognized. That sounds horrible, right? They're just not, not as large or as on the large scene. So it goes from a quarter of a mile all the way up to... And the, the granddaddy of them all is 2.4 miles, which isn't as long as you think. You'll get it done in an Sounds order. pretty long. Does it really? Yeah. Does that does that sound intimidating? It does. Okay, the first time I sounded that sounded ridiculously intimidating, I must admit. I must admit I spent a long time thinking about the fact that I was gonna be okay if I made it to the bike. As long as I could actually well, I mean physically connect with my bike. Yeah. And not be like fished out, floating. That would be my concern. Yes, yeah, exactly. But you could do four hundred yards, you think? Maybe. I don't think I've ever swam that far before. No, absolutely. Oh, I mean, I, right, right. I'm, I'm, I'm talking to. I mean, like for me, 400 yards. No, no, I'm not going to talk. It'll sound like I'm bragging. It'll sound like I'm bragging. But 400 yards doesn't doesn't overly intimidate me. Can I say that? Yeah. Okay, that's okay. We go for a 400 yard swim, and then, then after that, you've got to change or somehow adapt into getting out of the water, getting to the what we call the bike racks or getting to the racks, and then uh, jump on your bike. And that bike can be anywhere from, well, and this is where it gets silly, it could be 10 miles, 8 miles mm-hmm. of biking, all the way up to, again, the, the, the traditional big boy, the Ironman distance of 112. It's not that bad. That's, that's a lot. It is. I must admit. Okay. The worst part about it is mile 80. How many miles? 112. The worst part is mile 18. Yeah. Because you think to yourself, oh, just 20 more miles. Except it's actually 32 more miles, which is actually, you know, it's actually a significant, it's like 30% more. Mm-hmm. And even when you hit the 100 mile mark, you're like, oh man, I've got this in the bag. But 12 miles is longer than that sprint I just mentioned, which can be from 8 to 10. Yeah. But, but you start out, you've got to start somewhere, you know, and, and, and I'm going to try to convince you to start out with that super sprint distance. So between 8 and 10 miles, depending upon the race, because there's not an official designation, but it would be anywhere around there. Okay. So if you go at 10 miles an hour, mm-hmm. which is not that fast, right. I could easily see you going much faster than 10 miles an hour. That's less than an hour of biking. Mm-hmm. Splash around in the water for a little bit, 400 yards. Mm-hmm. Okay. An hour of biking. Yep. And then with a super sprint, ooh, sprint is typically 5K. So a super sprint is probably going to be like two miles. Oh. Well, that's doable. Absolutely. Of course it's doable. Isabel, you look in great shape. That would be completely doable for you. I, I think that, yeah, you, you. I think a super sprint actually would be a fun race for you to do. I'm going to try to convince you to do okay. a super sprint. You can always try, right? Yeah. You can always try. Get it? Good one. I'm full of them. It's going to be great. It's going to be great. It's going to be on, it's going to be on the, uh, it's going to be on the number plate. The number plate. There's some tri-speak for you. We'll talk tri-speak later on. Okay. That's our beginnings. You with the Red Rabbit and the Scandinavian Maven. Introduce a little bit of the sport, a little bit of the ideas. Obviously, more of that to come. And now we're going to move on to our news segment. Take a quick look at our news. Ah, I got all I got all the papers here. In charge. I feel like I feel like it's like 1978. And I'm reading the news like Walter like. Walter Cronkite. Walter Cronkite style. Yeah. Okay, it's perfect. And some other things. So first thing up is the NBC. Iron Man broadcast. That's the World Championship broadcast. Do you get a chance to watch this? I uh, DVR'd it because I don't have a TV. So okay. I DVR'd it on my parents' TV. Got it. And then my mom erased it before I could watch it. 
So you missed all of the course records, the whole deal. Okay. The news out of uh, the NBC Ironman broadcast is that the course record was reset for for the world championship course. That's in Kailua Kona, uh, Hawaii. Mm-hmm. It was a world record breaking bike. Uh, which was really impressive. It was very, very impressive. Although I'm not going to say staged because I don't want to talk negative about my sport in any way. But the person who reset that bike record was a former professional cyclist. I'm not taking that away from anybody. Mm -hmm. I I think the idea that he still ran, he still swam, you know, but definitely had the pedigree to reset the, the mark set by the German Norman Stadler, which, which is still amazing to me. So how would you feel about this? Let, let, let me ask you. So do you think just everything in the modern world is just better? Like the technology? I guess, yeah. Okay. Uh, no, come on. You either get, you're either saying yes or no. So think yes. about a laptop computer in 2018 versus a laptop computer in the year 2000. Better. Better. Were okay. laptops even around in 2000? The they, they were a thing. They just came connected to a massive power supply. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it was. It, certain portions of it fit on your lap. Other portions had to be in the briefcase beside of you, <laughs> right? And it's, it's it's just a question, and and it's a question that I struggle with a lot. You have uh, you've seen some of my race tech. You've seen some of my things. I I am definitely someone who who loves triathlon deep down as a sport, but I also love the gadgets. I ah, oh, I'm kind of addicted to the gadgets. Yeah, I am. I am. I mean, even my selection of goggles. A selection of goggles. I have a selection of goggles, yeah, including some that are like GPS friendly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I have GPS goggles. You know, I mean, am I going too far on the tech thing? No, not far enough. Hmm. hmm. My wheels are behind. Wheels are behind. Yeah. I don't know what that means. Well, they're not wide enough. They're not wide enough. We'll talk. Okay. Anyway, my point being here is that Norman Stadler's bike record at Kailua Kona, Hawaii, was finally broken this year. There's been several attempts. Now, if you again, if you're new to the sport, the World Championships are the ones, for Ironman, for Ironman only, are the ones that are, are shown televised on NBC, and they often win awards, and they're very, very inspirational, and I wish your mother hadn't recorded over it. But, you know, mm-hmm. but what happened this year is that Norman Stadler's record, that stood for, I mean, over a decade, I should be more specific about that and should have looked up like how when Norman Stadler did this. But but my, my, my thing about it is if you take a look at Norman Stadler's bike then and all of the technology that's gone into bikes now, it is kind of amazing to me that it's still, you know, the vast majority of the issue is still the person on the bike. It's not the bike itself, mm-hmm. plus the weather conditions. And and so this year at Kona, the the bike record was broken and yeah, you know, yeah. It's it's just it's taken this long. It's taken over a decade for Norman Sadler's bike record to be broken, and yet what's happened in the ten years of actual cycle building, the carbon fiber, the aerodynamics, all this kind of stuff. So, is tech worth chasing? Yeah. Okay. Do you need GPS goggles for your first four hundred yard swim? A little bit much. <laughs> it might be. We had we had the record breaking bike and then of course Patrick Langer. Well we, we both know that he produced a record breaking run, but the overall time was broken and yet still the elusive sub eight hours mark has not been has not been broken at Hawaii. So that's kind of the thing that we're chasing. So mm-hmm. this time next year my hope is to ask you, so what do you think about the NBC broadcast or what do you think about the Kona coverage? I don't know. All we're gonna do is shave off like three minutes. Three minutes? Three minutes. Does that sound like a lot? 
It does sound like a lot. Does it really? Does it? Well, I don't know. It's a marathon. That's, a, that's you've, got a, you've got a long time. Yeah. But you're right. You're absolutely right. It's incremental, right? Mm-hmm. So it's getting getting like that improvement is getting it's it, it's it's increasingly difficult to to get those. To me, three minutes sounds like oh, I should just run faster. That's the that's the level that I'm at. Like oh, well, if I just ran faster, maybe I'll just maybe I get a four minute improvement. But especially the bike, you got 112 miles. That's probably that's under five hours. But can't you just go like a couple of minutes faster? And the answer is well, no. You know, with all of the improvements that we made, the, the course record has only just been broken this year. With three minutes, it's I think the course record at Kona is 8.02 and change. So if we mm-hmm. get a three-minute improvement, we'll go sub-8. I don't want to call it gold standard because it's higher than that. So what's what's better than that? Platinum? A platinum standard. Should we go with platinum standard? Yes. The eight-hour mark is the platinum standard. So this year, Tim Don, fellow countryman, love to talk to him on the pod if we could arrange that. If you're out there, Tim, and listening. Hi. I met Tim Don at... Did I tell you I did an Ironman in Boulder? No. Oh, okay. I did an Ironman in Boulder and I met Tim Don. It was very impressive. I think more for him than for me. Probably. But hey, if you're out there, Tim, get well soon. Really want to see you back racing. Tim had an interesting 2017. He posted the world record fastest ever Ironman time. Now, that's not at the World Championships. That was actually at Ironman Brazil. But he took the finishing time. So it's still 140.6 miles. Tim did it in uh, seven hours and 40 minutes and change. Wow. Yeah, think about that. Because it takes me... It's not double that, you know. And I'd like to say it's not even close to double that. But, you know, to, to I, I, I have some appreciation for how fast he really had to go. So he currently holds the Ironman record, the overall fastest time for an Ironman-branded race. It's important. There are a couple of... There are, there's, there's something called the Challenge Series. Same distance, but different organizers. But he holds that Ironman record... Two or three days before the beginning, I believe it was two or three days, before the beginning of the World Championships, which he obviously qualified for, he was hit by a car on his bike, and he's still recovering right now. So the fastest guy was out for Kona, and yeah, obviously we wish him well, and a speedy recovery. I actually follow Tim Don on the old Twitter. He's posted some very... I think motivational. Motivational little pieces, like him and the entire head brace. He's he's at that point where he's wearing, Mm -hmm. you know, scaffolding. And I think it's called traction. It, medical terms. He's got kind of like half an unfinished hotel sitting on his sitting on his head. Poor guy. Poor guy. Okay. Right. And he's on an upright bike at the gym. <laughs> and yeah. Right. And he's just tooling along and he's just pointing out, "Hey, I just did ninety watts." And this guy can probably kick out more like three hundred and ninety watts. And so, very very inspirational to see Tim back up and at it. But. A huge Ironman this year. Great. We dropped course records. Uh, we dropped individual records. Patrick Langer, the overall winner, absolutely amazing. But but the most amazing thing, the most amazing thing that you missed mm-hmm. was the number of pockets he had sewn into his tri-suit. How many pockets? Several. I don't know exactly how many, but last year when he was at the course, he was stuffing flasks in his tri-suit. Mm-hmm. So, do you know what tri-suits look like? No. Okay. Imagine way too much lycra and spandex covered over, over. I don't want to say as many parts of your body or as little parts of your body, but over strategic parts of your body. And then you got the big zip. Okay. Okay. So you can like zip it. Well, he had secret pockets. Because last year he was just stuffing sponges and water bottles in his suit. You with me? Mm-hmm. And so his, uh, his sponsor agreed uh, or said, hey. I think we can help with that. And so they sewed pockets on the inside, special pockets. So he could put 
like nutrition and yeah. and is goos and gels. How are you on goos and gels? I have never actually eaten them. Oh, eaten? okay. That, so that's going to be podcast. Term? That's going to be that's going to be a second. That's going to be part of our second podcast right there. It's going to be the Scandinavian maiden Isabel is going to on on air as it would be. She's going to try a goo. Oh. Oh, yeah, I know. Yeah, you should be nervous. You should be very very nervous. I'll have a bucket ready. Okay, but we should, we, you'll try, you'll love it. Okay, try speak. There's another word, Frankenfood. World champs were very, very successful. However, and and this is where we get into the kind of the negative. During the warm-up coverage, so before the coverage was shown to everybody on NBC, there was the, the preview show. Mm-hmm. Just kind of makes sense, like the pre-Super Bowl, because it really is a Super Bowl. It's, it's really the Super Bowl of our mm-hmm. of our sport. It's the one that gets all the attention, all the media coverage, et cetera, et cetera, and we have wonderful narration and backstories and all that other kind of stuff. But in the pre-show, there was a, there was a pre-show. It was all this sort of warm-up to Kona and what it takes and what the, what the conditions are like, and they are brutal. But it talked about the history, and it went through the history, and one of the things it, 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 it went through was uh, how the sport had changed and who the new champions were, et cetera, and it basically said that in the in the 2000s in the uh, sort of in the transition between the aughts and the teens that kind of is that losing me i'm losing so 2009 to 2013 so the the aughts to the to the teens okay what do you millennials say we don't there's not a word for that there's not Mm -mm. okay in england we call them the aughts we definitely don't call them that if there is a word it's not that I feel like I feel like you're losing it. I feel like you're losing it. I think you should adopt it. I'll try. Okay. Old man. Oh, oh, old man shakes his fist. I like it. And the curmudgeon. And the curmudgeon. Yeah. I'll get my cane. During this period of time, there was a bit of a revolution with the Australian athletes, and Australia produced some incredible Ironman athletes. Now they worked their way up through the ranks, definitely from uh, the ITU races, the International Triathlon Union, the Xterra races, that's the off-road series, various other ones like there was the there was the, I think it was the Formula One or the World Cup series. There was the uh, I think there was the American Budweiser Triathlon series, the Lifetime series, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. They'd worked their way all the way through these things, and they'd come up and they'd started to work their way into the, the long-distance racing, the, the 140.6, the Ironman racing. And so we ended up with three just very, very significant Australian races. That would be Chris Macca McCormick, mm-hmm. and then Craig Crowey Alexander, and uh, Pete Jacobs. I, <laughs> I was listening to the NBC pro, uh, pregame, and they acknowledged the Australian ascendancy by saying that Craig Alexander or Crowey or the, or the Australian Revolution was led by Craig Alexander and Pete Jacobs and they completely omitted Chris mm-hmm. Macca McCormack. This is huge. This is absolutely yeah. huge. So I kind of tweeted because I have the cereal box, right? I have I've seen it. <laughs> yeah, exactly, right? The Wheaties box. Mm-hmm. The Wheaties box with Macca on it. Victory stance. It's a huge deal. Macca was, back in that time, was so energetic in the way that he energized the sport. But, I mean, some people regarded him as a controversial figure. I think he was great for the sport. I'm a a big follower of Macca. To completely just not even mention his name, like erase him from that. And so I tweeted out to that that, you know, I remember, and and Macca responded to me within 10 minutes. His response was, you should ask the CEO of Ironman. Andrew Messick as to why his name not even not even wasn't even mentioned like no pictures mm-hmm. nothing 
What do you think that's a snob? It certainly seems like it. How would it be if, for instance, do you think, if if it were like the Super Bowl, they just completely disregarded the Green Bay Packers? They said, oh, Super Bowl, you know, founded by... And they mentioned, I know Green Bay Packers won Super Bowls 1 and 2, at least, right, amongst others. But I didn't know that, but it seems... Okay, but but, but, then, but then they just only mention the opponents. Mm-hmm. They only sort of say, oh, it was... And the, and the Super Bowl was founded by the Dallas Cowboys and the Cleveland Browns. I don't know if those are the teams, please. Don't comment on that. But what would it be like to just remove a dynasty from sports? Yeah, that's a pretty big snub. There must be some serious bad blood between... Mm-hmm the two of them to absolutely eradicate that to to snub at that level as it mm-hmm. as it would be not at all mention it I, I just I, I just think wow you know give give the devil his due if that's if yeah. that's the way you feel about it but it, but at least give the devil his due and sort yeah. of at least acknowledge that yeah he won the Ironman World Championships twice mm-hmm. and he did so in spectacular fashion he was a great athlete and yeah, he was very, very famous for his... I think the American phrase is smack talk. Ooh. Okay. Okay. He was very famous for that and for calling people out. Mm-hmm. In many ways, I think he's very close to kind of like a Muhammad Ali. Do you ever see... Mm-hmm. you ever see the prize fighters? Do you ever see, like, the boxers? Because before the it's fight, a, yeah. there's a lot of hot air going. Mm-hmm. Probably richly deserved. I don't want any prize fighters coming after me. You can go after Isabel all you like, but not me. Thanks. There's only one of me. I'm 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 beautiful. Come on. Wow. Now I, I know how you really feel about me. Well, no, 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 no. There there may only be one of you. I'm pretty sure there is. But but before any prize fighters come after me, there seems to be a lot of outside of the boxing ring, a lot of uh, you could call it smack talk. I don't mm-hmm. know. Is it? Yeah. Do you know what I'm referring I think to? That's like a '90s term, but sure. Ow, ow. Are you telling me that's like 30 years out of date already? Is that 30 years? Yeah. <laughs> with that with that in mind, what do you call it then? If it's not smack talk. I think like trash talk. Oh, okay. It's like more common now. Okay, trash talk. Do you see trash talk before basketball games? No. No? Maybe sometimes. I don't know. Really? I, I don't know. And, you know, for as much as I enjoy competitive sport, and certain competitive sports very much so, for instance, when I follow soccer, there's not a lot of beforehand. Sure, the fans might bawdy about a bit. The the uh, the whole idea of teams and players calling each other out no no it doesn't happen however Maka Maka had no problem in talking about his competitors and never never super negative never insulting mm-hmm. but often in a way that was just shall we say a little more Taco Bell hot sauce to fire sauce rather than mild to you know ketchup. Uh, so anyway, great character. Love him. I think the sport is definitely richer with him and his influence. And he's a huge, huge lover of triathlon. But to not even mention him, Andrew Messick, Ironman triathlon. No, that was wrong. That was wrong. He was definitely a part of that revolution. My thoughts. My thoughts. Please feel free to comment when we finally work out how to host this podcast. Okay, Ironman, sticking with the theme of Ironman and long course news. Ironman is changing their qualifying spots, so we're reverting back to the original qualifying spots. So, a couple of things about this. Ironman number one got into trouble with their lottery system. I don't quite know the ins and outs of it because I'm not someone who's well-versed in legalese. Mm -hmm. But effectively, there was uh, a a lottery and you, you threw down your money... And if you got a lottery slot, then you, I, I believe you just paid extra. I, I wasn't entirely sure. I, I just signed up for my spots. And this is only for the World Championship. Mm-hmm. But they got in trouble. I think it was the state of New York and maybe New Jersey. Some state attorneys got involved. 
for some for some legal practice. But but basically, it went. You could get to the world championships a couple of different ways. Number one, you could qualify, and qualifying is tough. I got to tell you, qualifying is very very tough. Number two, you could try for a lottery slot. And I think that's where the problem was, is that perhaps they were overcharging. I don't know. But you paid in this money. It's completely completely non-refundable. If you got your slot, then, of course, the money you paid in went towards it. We call it a charity slot sometimes, or a lottery slot. Lottery slot or a charity slot. And then I think there are legitimate charity slots that they give. The Wounded Warrior Project or the CAF. CAF, which is the Challenge Athletes Foundation, which they sponsor, but suddenly it cha- that changed very, very recently, and so you could no longer. It's going to be. This is going to sound wrong if I say buy your way in. Yeah, that's alright. Is that okay? I mean, you're being honest. Yeah, I am kind of being honest. Um, you could buy your way into Kona. Not that if you got there, it was a guarantee that you'd finish, right? Right. Okay. And so, any lottery slot people out there, I've never done Kona, so I respect you for just trying. You could financially try and get your way in. CAF, etc. But they've removed that. So that was one change. And then this year, they announced just recently that they're also going to revert back. They're going to abolish something called the Kona Professional Points System, which was very controversial when it started out. But now it's going to be qualifying just like the age groupers. And so now they're going to take, of all the other races that happen around the globe. So Ironman happens all over the globe. So there are these races that are put on all around the globe, and then they have this world championship in Kailua, Kona, Hawaii. And so they're going to take it so the professionals have to qualify by effectively making the podium of the race. So there'll be at Ironman Frankfurt, there'll be three spots available. Mm-hmm. And so if you win one, two, three, you know, if you come in one, two, three, then you make it to the world championships. If number one has already qualified, then it'll go two, three, four, right? So it'll be like a trickle down. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Instead of there being points awarded for major championships or whatever. But I think this has all got something to do with maybe the legalese or maybe the fact that the points system encouraged... There's a lot of talk about this. It encouraged athletes to massage their years. So the idea was to to do well at this race because there were more points available versus another race, which is where, okay, just hang back and... I, I don't know. There was there was a lot of talk that, that the kind of professional point system wasn't fair, egalitarian, difficult for the pros to manage. Let's say, for instance, you're injured, but it's a it's a championship race, and there's more points available, and you know. Mm-hmm. So they're just going back to the straight rankings. They're just going back to you know what? There are so many points allocated at this slot. Now I'm going to ask you, Isabel, how do you feel? that there are more... This is, this is going to come as a shock. This is going to come... Well, maybe it's a shock. I'm, I'm definitely doing this out of left field. We haven't discussed this beforehand, but... I feel like I know where you're going. You feel like you know where I'm going? Mm-hmm. Okay. There are more male slots available yep. than there are female slots. Mm-hmm. Okay. Go. That's unfortunate, right? I mean, women are half of the population, if not more. So, I don't know. It seems a little unfair. you got free reign here. Open, well, i got open mic and you're going, it seems a little unfair. No, it does. I mean... It's definitely something that people should strive towards, equaling that out. Yeah, I, I am aghast. Now, I, the truth is, if you'd watched the Iron Man broadcast, there's, there's, there's a couple of things that, under the under the covers, you'd kind of notice. And I don't want to take anything away from any of the pro athletes. I have a huge respect for them, mm-hmm. for the pro, pro athletes. I've met, fortunately, many of them for the simple fact that it's such an open sport. So you can turn up to races, and if the pros are there, they're so welcoming. They'll, they'll shake your hand, they'll have a quick chat with you. It, it's very, very embracing in terms of the community, from fellow athletes all the way up to that pro level. It, it, it's it really is an amazing. It really is an amazing community, which is why I'm trying to entice you into it. Let's say there are 50 males and 30 females at Kona. Mm-hmm. 
of those 50 males, of those 50 males, we pretty much stop counting after 10 or 15. Okay, now, mm -hmm. I'm not taking it away from anybody who finishes in 35th place. They're going to be faster than me, and I respect it. But if the top 10, 15 are like the career moves, right? Yeah. So those are people who are going to get like the sponsorships or the, or the higher level of sponsorships. Those are people who are going to get more of the notice. Mm -hmm. After that, why are there more males than females? It's a good question. Isn't that just a ridiculously good question? Yeah. Like suddenly of, and it's the same thing for the females, right? The top 10, 15 are the ones who are going to get the, the bigger notice, etc. Mm -hmm. Why then do they just allow more males? And you could say, well, the men are just faster, but they're not significantly faster against other men. Yeah. Right? Mm -hmm. So there's a proportional piece there. I just, Andrew Messick, if you're listening, respond to Maka, be nice, and even it out, even, even men and women. Even men and women, Tacona, please, please. It's 2018. 2018, right? It is 2018. Let's, let's have equal representation because no matter how fast or slow, men, women, pros, elites, age groupers, it's triathlon, right? It's supposed to be egalitarian. That's what I love about the sport. So please, 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 please do that. All right, moving on. There are other kinds of racing. There's not just long course. It's not just all about Ironman. And one of them is this brand new Super League event, which is short course, very short course. Kind of course you'd like, huh? It sounds like it. Okay. We're talking about short swims. We're talking about super sprints. We're talking about things like that. We're just talking about doing a lot of them. Okay. Maybe back to back. Mm. Maybe mixing it up. Swim, bike, run? Nah. Why not run, bike, swim? Why not bike, swim, run? Why not Why not just, just see who's fastest if we just mix them all up? Draft legal. So you can be on the tails of people. You can race in a pack. You can do all of that. Super fast, furious racing, super league. I'm going to mention his name again. Chris McCormick, engineer behind this. I know there are other people working behind the scenes. I wish I could congratulate you as well. But this brainchild to do a series of races around the globe, professional athletes, professionally paid, excuse me, with contracts, completely available on YouTube. So you don't have to sit and wait for Iron Man. Please, your coverage is poor to say the least. Super League, multiple cameras, showing all the angles, great commentary. If they're looking for other commentators, by the way, Isabella and I are always available, especially for the tropical locations. Yeah. Absolutely right. Mm -hmm. So Isabella and I are more than happy to do that. Racing around the globe, brand new formats. <laughs> Athletes from all around the globe as well, effectively just inviting the best of the best in short course racing, short course to, to the intermediate, so so half Ironman around there, but anybody who they think is fast enough to compete at this level. Wonderful stuff. Has it changed triathlon? Now, difficult for me to ask you that question. <laughs> Couldn't tell you. Because you're right at the very beginnings of the sport, but I think... I think if I showed you the actual coverage of the Ironman World Championships, which we just left, so we're talking about sitting in front of a television for like eight hours and ten minutes, mm -hmm. which I will happily do, versus sitting in front of your sitting in front of your computer, your television, wherever you have those that internet access. Yes, I know Iron Man is on IronmanTV.com, I think it is. Wherever you have that access, you can sit down and for like two or three hours, maximum, absolutely maximum, you can watch a series of races. You can watch rankings happen. You can watch people slogging it out, gutting it out. You can watch all the good and the bad, right? You can see the... I know I, I'm not looking for this, and I hope I hope nobody thinks that I am, but you can see the crash on the bike or someone completely burn out on the run, you know, someone kind of lose it on the swim, whatever it be, because they're right on the edge, right? They're racing right on the edge. But these races are, they're over in like 35 minutes. And then it's like a little break and then maybe it's another race. And it's maybe... And they started out with this Super League in Australia. Uh, I, think, I think it revolutionized everything because the first thing any triathlete who watched that thought was, I want to do this. Mm -hmm. Okay. Now there's a problem. What's that problem? The problem is having a bunch of old schleps like me try to repeat this like race format, right? Because the professionals, if they're doing it in 30 minutes, how long is it going to take me? I don't know. Come on, throw a guess. Twice as long. 
Ow. Ow. Was that a... Was... Ooh. Ooh. Ah. Sorry. Yeah, no, that's okay. Twice as long. That's... Not twice as long? What? Well, we're not going for three times. Unbelievable. What is... Oh. Oh, I was hoping you'd say like... We were just third. talking about how fast they all were. Right, and that's an invitation. You're also fast. That's the yes. invitation. Like I say, thirty minutes. You say thirty-five minutes. That's exactly the. Ah, oh, that was the goal time I was hoping for. Oh well, never mind. Okay, so there's my dream. <laughs> However, because I'm a slow swimmer, and when my body is like floating out in the middle of nowhere, how do they? How do they go about doing this for an age group? How do they go about and and invite people like me who are passionate about the sport, mm -hmm. but not necessarily. <laughs> particularly accomplished at the sport. How do you go about doing this? Well, I think 2018, one of the big things is going to be how will Super League citizens races, so age grouping races, how will it work out? They've got a race. It's in um, Pinkton. Pinkton. Pinkton, I think, is pronounced in Canada. Okay. They've got a citizens race. It's going to happen this year. I have a training partner who's signed up for it. kind of want to sign up for it myself. Mm -hmm. We'll see how the cal calendar works out. You know what that's like. But I would love to race that. I would love to try myself on that format. The, the mixing it up, the time trial, the the whole idea of 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 doing multiple events, doing shorter ones, but but being surrounded by like people, and again, you know, slogging your guts out for forty minutes as opposed to an hour or thirteen hours or whatever it be, and doing it repeatedly and and, and trying. So the big question is for twenty eighteen: Has Maca Chris McCormack changed changed the face of triathlon for for new people, for beginners, mm -hmm. for people like you who I can try to convince to try a sprint, and then you know you don't have to aim for one day I'll do an Ironman. You can aim for like one day I'll do something sprinty and fast, which is what, you know, you're young. Sprinty and fast is what you should be looking for. I'm old and slow, so I go for those longer distance races. Uh, anything else from the World Triathlon you want to bring up? Uh, I think you covered it. I think I got one more, and that's Javier Gomez Noya. Not a name that you know right now, but for everybody else out there, if you're a fan of triathlon, Olympic silver medalist, uh, missed out on uh, the, the last Olympics in Brazil through injury. So never really got a chance to see if he could throw down. And so Alistair Brownlee, the English triathlete, all hail and praise him. He took double gold, first person to ever, uh, ever repeat at the gold medal. But Javier Gomez missed out on his opportunity to challenge for that race. And that, that would have been amazing. Mm -hmm. That would have been amazing. Anyway, Javier Gomez, uh, who we'll refer to as the Gomez Neuer, uh, Javier Gomez Noya. He's a 70.3, which is the half Ironman distance. He's already a world champion at that. He's an ITU world champion. He's fast. I've seen him run. I I, I can't tell you. Seeing someone drop from like 540, 550 pace in the last mile, which um, is pretty much a dream for me. I, I what, Do you know what your fastest mile is? Not that. Not that. Okay. We're going to play fastest mile on one of these podcasts. I think you're going to win. I don't know. We're going to try it. We're going to treadmill it. Yeah, we're going to treadmill. One mile. One mile on the treadmill. Okay. Okay, we'll try it. <laughs> but anyway, I saw him drop to basically like a 5.12 and still lose the race. That one last race I, I managed to watch a couple of years ago, the, the, the final ITU, that's the International Triathlon Union, their, their, their last race, their, their championship race. He won the series, but he lost the race just. 
But man, seeing someone throw down that hard in the last, you know, 10K, and so 6.2 miles, Mm -hmm. to get get through mile five running at just this incredible pace, and then drop, and then have your racing uh, friend, who, racing friend and colleague, is another Spanish teammate, drop below that and just not able to. He's an incredible, he's an incredible triathlete. He really is. Phenomenal build. He's, uh, He's got one of those just natural triathlon or at least it appears to be natural, natural triathlon builds. Anyway, he's going to challenge for the for the big one, for the big kahuna over at uh, the World Championships. So he's going to try to qualify this year, which I think I think he'll easily do. I think he'll easily qualify for Kona. Okay. But then the question is, he's going to throw in with the likes of Patrick Langer and oh, who else am I thinking about right now? There's, there's, there's so many of them. The Sebastian Keenleys of this world, the Ben Hoffmans of this world, the indomitable Lionel Sanders. He's going to go up against these, you know, you've got Jan Frodeno, uh, it's a litany of, of these great races, and he's going to kind of be the upstart this year a little bit, and he's going to go for it. And so the question is, we're going to watch him on 2018. Stay injury-free, please, Gomez Noya. Mr. Mr. Gomez Noya, the Gomez Noya. Stay injury-free, please. And let's see you throw down at Kyle Kona. Last piece, Chris Room and doping in sport. Little sideline here. Okay, where are you at with sports doping? Um, what do you mean? Like, what do I know about it? Or how do I feel about it? How do you feel about it? I mean, obviously it's wrong, right? But I guess... Correct. Well, yeah, I mean, I think so, right? Yeah. Uh, I mean, is there is there anybody you think out there who just says, oh, let them try? Just, if they want to just inject whatever they want to inject and have a go, how fast can we go? We bloat ourselves up on pig's blood and I don't know what else, turtle urine. I don't know. I've got no idea. <laughs> right, right. Whatever's found to be. Is there is there anybody out there who thinks, let's just, it's so... Nobody that I know. Okay. Yeah. I mean, nobody I know either. So if that's if that's where we're at, where these like substances are controlled, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, at what point does an asthma med that has no performance-enhancing repercussions become a controlled substance? And if you're dehydrated, it can alter the results of the drug test. So you may not know this, Chris Froome, four-time Tour de France champion. Yes, I was lucky enough to run alongside him this year on the Col de Galibier in France. I ran alongside him. Chris, if you listen to this podcast or if you ever listen to this podcast, I apologize. I should not have run next to you. I didn't know that at the time. It was only the gendarme and his great big giant baton that told me that I shouldn't have been. But anyway, Chris Froome won the Tour de France and then he went on to the the Tour of Spain now. That's called the Vuelta de España. He also won there. Okay, well, this is where the asterisk comes in. So he won there. However, on one of the stages, he had twice, twice. Not a little bit over, but twice. Mm-hmm. So it's like, I think it's 1,000 nanograms per liter in terms of his blood. Mm-hmm. And he had 2,000 nanograms per liter of a controlled substance. Now, the controlled substance happens to be an asthma medication. I believe, like me, you also take an asthma medication. I do. Okay. What does that do for you? It helps me to breathe. Do you take it before or after? I take it before. Okay. Do you take it before as a precautionary measure? Pretty much, yeah. Okay. Uh, have you ever not taken it? I have. What happens? And it is not fun. Okay. okay. What's not fun? Uh, just have trouble breathing, you know? Can't okay. get the air back out again, and okay. then it makes it harder to breathe in. Okay. I, I, I'm the gift of training all these years for triathlon and trying to trying to get faster for me is that I, I developed something called sports-induced asthma, yeah. which is not uncommon. For me, the inhaler is a secondary thing that I take typically afterwards. Now, it's probably too late. But most of the time, I'm absolutely fine. Mm-hmm. And then I finish, and and uh, 
you know what the finishing step's like? Like when you cross the finish line and all of a sudden your body says, hey, that was really fun. You just ran 13 miles, you idiot. And that's when you begin to break down. Mm-hmm. You've been through this before at the finish lines. Yep. That's when typically I take a puff. I could probably take a puff beforehand. Anyway, Chris Froome, Tour de France winner, Vuelta de Stamp, Espana winner, took puffs. I say puffs because, you know, he's got a lot in there. Sambuterol, I, I don't know the exact pronunciation. I don't know exactly which, which drug it is. Mm-hmm. Took this drug and had twice the allowable dose. However, everyone I've listened to has said that it's not performance enhancing. It effectively allows him to perform mm-hmm. at his, a, a level that's leveling the playing field. That's, that's part of the defense. But... I guess the interesting question is, what does it take? What does it take to be clean? Because if I asked you, okay, no, you can do this race. You're just not allowed to puff on your inhaler. Probably wouldn't happen. I mean, it might, but. What do you mean? What, what wouldn't happen? You wouldn't race. Probably wouldn't be able to. I don't know if I'd be able to finish. Okay, and that, and that's kind of important, right? Yeah. Are you racing now? You're not racing for the podium right now. No. Okay, not right now. But I, I understand it, though, that for you and I, it's it's much more than comfort. We're not we're not talking about being uncomfortable in a race. We're not saying, oh, I think I'm getting a blister on my left foot. We're talking about the difference between finishing and pulling off at an aid station and wheezing and gasping and maybe being taken away in a big white truck with a siren on top, right? It's called the ambulance. That's yes. right. Okay. I, I get that. I don't know. I, I just, I'm really conflicted by this Chris Froome finding because I just want to believe he's innocent. Mm-hmm. Is that wrong of me? No. It is a little suspicious. Okay. Okay. And that's the bit that I'm, I'm I'm trying to work out. I'm trying to work out, is it... Because Team Sky have done this whole piece about they want to be the cleanest team in sports. Mm-hmm. And then in England... It's, it's an English team. Okay. That shouldn't influence you in any way, but probably influences me. But it's an English racing team, bicycle racing team, and they've really wanted to be the cleanest team in a very... I don't want to say dirty sport, but it's 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 a tough sport to call clean is cycling. Mm-hmm. But the, the whole idea that a team that espouses itself to be, you know, the cleanest team in racing, and it's it's our training that does it and our work ethic etc cetera, etc cetera, to then come back and say well number one they had some adverse effects with sir bradley wiggins sending some medications in a package to him when he was on the tour de france and it turned out that it was a really it was no like an over-the-counter medicine that mm-hmm. he could have bought in france that his doctor could have bought in france but then and there wasn't enough record keeping and it was just really dubious and i take nothing away from sir brad because again big fan but then Chris Froome has this one finding, and it could be from a puff on an inhaler. Do you think the Do you think the limits are too too strict? I I don't know. I don't know. You're in the mountains. Yeah. You're in the mountains. You got to go up this thing again. You got to race these people. You you're doing you're doing 18 miles an hour up. You're doing like 58 down. It's a tough day. Mm-hmm. You gonna take the inhaler? Yeah. It's medical supervision. The doctor says, Yeah, sure, absolutely. Mm-hmm. And it comes back like a couple of months later. Oh, you may have had one too many puffs or two too many puffs. Mm-hmm. I don't know. To have double the amount, wouldn't you think you'd have to have twice the number of puffs? Probably. How Although, many puffs? I don't know how it works biologically. Yeah, neither do I. How many puffs do you take on your inhaler? I want to normalize this. I, I, here's a question. Here's a I question I want to ask. I took two puffs before. Okay. And then when I used to play basketball, yeah. I would take another puff at halftime. Okay, got it. And that, that's it. So we're talking about three puffs over the course of how many hours? Two hours, maybe. Okay, three puffs over two hours. Yeah, and when I do it typically after, 
-hmm. I find that I'm calmed completely by the act of a maximum of two puffs. That's all I need. Mm -hmm. So putting that in real terms, that means that before the race, you'd have to take four to six puffs. Do you think that would do anything for you? I know I don't feel any extra benefit after right. taking. Right, right. So, so it's not like you're sitting there like before the basketball game going, yeah, you know, it's going to be a tough one, blah, blah, blah. I tell you what I'm going to do. Here's, this, this will really tip the balance here right now. Instead of taking two puffs before, I'm going to take four before and two at half time. Uh, it, it's, it's a tough one for me. It's a really tough one for me, especially because, like you said, biochemically, how does it work? How do those traces show up? How does that drug show up? Anyway. Chris Froome, I'm a big fan, big supporter. Excuse my actions on the Galibier. There are a few, there are only a few people who know what truly happened. Unfortunately, Chris is one of them. So there we go. That's the news for this time. So we're all up. Moving on. We're going to try and introduce different segments each time we do this. So our next segment up after the news will be our podcast workout. So our podcast workout. So I've got a thousand and one things I could talk to you about. If I was coaching you and I could say... Let's get you, I want to sign you up, I want to get you into triathlon, and we could talk about all kinds of like intervals and repeats and hills and getting you in the pool and doing all that kind of stuff. But this is beginnings. Mm -hmm. So in beginnings, what do I want to do? Well, I want to encourage everybody, if I possibly can, it's not, today's not about the workout that you do, the, the, the repeats that you do, the quarter miles or the hills or, or anything like that today. I think the best workout you can do, especially for a beginning athlete, is sign up. Just just sign up. Find a race. Find a local race. Go to, like, triathlon. We're in Minnesota, so go to triathlon Minnesota or triathlon California or wherever it be. And just do a small rudimentary search and just look for your distances. Can you remember the distances? Sprint. Sprint. Sprint or a super sprint, right? Super sprint. Yeah, sprint or a super sprint. It's a great place to start. I think the best, the best single workout you can do is something that will motivate you. And I don't think anything motivates you more than signing up for a race, right? right? I don't think you can do anything better. I, th I think that's the, the big deal for me that that's what started me on this track was mm -hmm. just signing up. So I encourage everybody to just sign up, find, find a race, find a local race. It's gonna be scary, it's gonna be intimidating. If it's, it is a triathlon, that swim is going to be ridiculously different to the pool. And you're going to train a lot in the pool. And then things are going to just change significantly the first time you hit that open water. But we'll talk more about that on later later pods. But sign up. I think it's, I think it's the best work. If you're, if you're a beginner, I think the best thing you can do is just sign up. It's, it's 2018, probably in the middle of your news resolutions. We'll talk about yours in just a little bit. What better thing to do? You think a fad diet is going to work. It's not. You think that um, buying some, uh, I don't know what kind of equipment, Bowflex, Total Gym, a, a, a Nordic track that you can do various things. Mm -hmm. Hey, they're all great individual machines, but do you think that's going to, do you think spending significant money on that is going to, uh, it's going to change? The answer is no. Signing up will. Signing up and downloading the Channel 3 podcast is going to help nice you. One. That's going to help. Real slick. Oh, yeah. And the Channel 3 podcast is free right yeah yeah currently so it's it's, it's absolutely free and we're going to help motivate you we're going to help get you there we're going to help get you there we're going to, we're going to follow isabel's journey to signing up so that's our week up uh, that, that, that's our workout excuse me the workout of this pod is i encourage you to just sign up it'll be the best thing you can possibly do how are the holidays we just finished the holiday season they were wonderful yeah yeah very relaxing relaxing mm -hmm. did you eat too much yes okay without a doubt Okay, so we're into our diet section. One of the things you're going to find is try a lot of triathletes become very, very obsessive. I almost said ridiculously obsessive, but I didn't want to offend anybody. But as I am a triathlete, I think I have. I think I have license. I feel like I have noticed that from observing you. What's that? You're a little obsessive. I'm just a little bit. Yeah. A little bit. A little bit. 
I, I, uh, I, I'm not like, like a calorie counter, but I'm definitely the opposite. I'm definitely like an exercise counter and I'm definitely an exercise logger and, and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, a lot, a lot of my time during, during the week is devoted to that, those exercise plans and, and, you know, not just what am I going to do today, but what am I going to do in future? But anyway, diet does play an important part. I didn't discover like the healthy way of life thing for a long time so it's not like it's not like I have decided to just jump all in it's just what I decided to do is cook more food of my own and so really enjoy cooking really enjoy doing that piece question really becomes though is diet holidays okay what did you binge what did you binge during the holidays my mom made like a couple hundred Christmas cookies you're a Christmas cookie fan mm-hmm. that's a challenge yep. okay what's 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 uh, some of the favorites you got the chocolate covered peanut butter balls those, okay. Those are pretty good. That's that's pretty strong right uh, there. Some cornflake wreaths. Okay. And then uh, snickerdoodles are my favorite. Snickerdoodles, mm-hmm. favorite. Okay. Yep. Wonderful. It's all good. I'm just going to give you a simple rule of thumb here. Okay. Okay. This is just absolutely just a little bit of food chemistry. You know my background. I'm a chemist. Mm-hmm. Sugar holds on to 20 times more water than salt. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 20 times more in terms of weight. So. You ever had that feeling like after you're eating a salty pizza or something like that, something fast foody, yes. where you feel bloated or you feel like you're carrying extra, some people refer to it as water weight or whatever. Salt has like several benefits, meaning that you can sweat. Mm-hmm. Okay. But yeah, sugar's great because it fuels you. Mm-hmm. But the only problem is, is it holds on to all that water and water makes up how much percentage of your body weight does water make up? 70? Yeah, give or take, right? 70%. And so if you're looking to shed a few pounds, mm-hmm. I always say this, my rule, my rule of thumb, diet is raised to the power of exercise or exercise is raised to the power of diet. You know, mm-hmm. that relationship, it's not, it's not a multiplier. It's beyond that. It's an exponent. Right. Watch out for sugar. Just really watch mm-hmm. out for sugar. If there's something that you can do, and I'm not, I'm not asking you to jump on the aspartame wagon. Are you a diet Coke girl? No. No. That gives you cancer, right? Well, I don't, I don't know. It's just artificial sweeteners. I, I, I think, I don't think that you're alone in that thought. I think there are a lot of people who are like, it's severely detrimental. Where are you on like stevia? Um, what is stevia? You haven't come across those pops? Like you can get the mm-hmm. organic like cola and it's flavored yeah, with stevia. Drink soda? This is awesome. But when I do, I... When I, I, well, but I don't when always I, drink soda. when I do... <laughs> I don't do the artificial sweetener ones. You just, what do you jump in for then? Mm, like a Coke once a, Coke. a year. Okay, gotcha. But I mean, is it, do you ever do like the Mexican Coca-Cola? Like made with real sugar as opposed to high fructose corn syrup? I didn't know that was a thing. Oh, Can yeah, yeah, yeah. Mexican Coca-Cola if you just go, in if, the United States? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Just go to the, if you just go to like the Hispanic section of your grocery store, uh, you probably have one. You mm-hmm. can find the big bottle, uh, Coca-Cola, and it's made with real sugar yeah i know that high fructose corn syrup is real i know i mean it doesn't just miracle itself onto planet earth i understand that it's a corn-based product Mm -hmm. i I get all that the question is you know sort of what does it do for you and at least coca-cola will give you fuel i gotta tell you at mile 17 of any marathon coca-cola is great give it to me love it absolutely i just i just caution everybody about sweets some people are sweet snacks some people are salty snack where are you on that range i'd say lean towards salty yeah, okay. Pretzels? Yeah. Pretzels crackers? Mm-hmm. Pretzels dip? Dip. I don't know. Do you dip your, like, honey mm-hmm. mustard? Honey mustard in the pretzels? No. You just eat the pretzel? Mm-hmm. Okay. Got it. Soft or... So, the soft pretzel or, like, the... Mm-hmm. just the, the soft pretzels. Okay, just, like, the rolled gold kind yeah. of a deal. Mm-hmm. Got it. You know, not as not as bad. The only problem is... Have you ever taken a look at the serving size on any of those? Not lately. Not, like, 
you know it's a lot fewer pretzels than you think. <laughs> right, yeah. right. It's not half a bag. Okay, portion sizes, that's one thing. But please, 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 uh, watch out Watch out for the sweet snacks. You're not going to shed weight. You're not going to shed weight. And at least the salt does provide some kind of electrolyte balance, in theory. Good in theory. Enough. Yeah, yeah. So my diet pieces, the holidays, watch out for the sweets. It's all over now anyway. You're all going to start off on your new diets. It's, it's January. It's just if you're going to make it past January 14th, just and you want to still keep losing, avoid the sugar at the Starbucks, avoid the pumps of syrup or whatever it be. Try to just think about the sugar. Just try to think about the sugar. Don't worry so much about the salt. Just try to think about the sugar. We'll talk about leafy greens at some other point and phytochemicals. Uh, we move now into our tech section. Later on, we're going to introduce our good tech, bad tech section. But for today, just uh, seeing as the theme is beginnings, we're going to bring in all kinds of tech that's, that's tri-specific or you know, run, bike, swim specific. We've got power meters to talk about. We've got heart rate monitors. We've got all these things. We've got Garmin, Strava, and all those things that are out there that you're looking at me with those bewildered looks. Yeah. Right. And it's it's absolutely fine. I just think again, if you're in the if you're in the beginner mode, what's like a great piece of tech? that you could buy what's what's going to serve you through the swim the bike and the run and the answer is you tell me stopwatch preferably something with a really easy start stop button preferably something that's close to the face so you can just hit it when uh, obviously you're starting or most importantly when you're finishing it's, the, it's so important when you're finishing like you cross that finish line or you sprint on that finish line you don't want to be hitting a tiny button you want to be hitting something big to get that mm-hmm. to get that accurate time believe me you'll beat yourself up especially especially when it's really close or could be a, a, a pb a personal best you're going to want that that big start stop button just get yourself how much do you think a stopwatch costs what like 10 15 20 bucks something yep. like that right mm-hmm. i don't care about brand it just they, they're all they're all silicon based like computerized chips these days it don't have to be gps it doesn't have to monitor your heart rate i know that there's a lot of fitbits do you have a fitbit i don't like, do you have an apple watch nope garmin i do okay gotcha but you know all these things are absolutely wonderful mm-hmm. but in, in its essence if you're starting you need a pair of shoes, a swimsuit, and a stopwatch. A stopwatch. And, and you can do a lot with that. So my tech of the week, no brand specific, although you can get Timex Ironman brand. Just get yourself a stopwatch and start actually, I think, start paying attention to it. Start using it. So go out on a run and actually see how long it takes you. And then what do you do next time? Well, you know, if, if you're in for that, try and beat it. Try and beat it. Try and monitor the time. See how long it takes. It's a better stopwatch. How long does it take you to swim 25 yards? How long does it take you to swim 50 yards? Mm-hmm. Um, what's it going to take to beat that? You know, it's a competitive time. All those types of things. Time is a big issue and a stopwatch is ridiculously cheap. Okay, we move on to a science and sports section. We don't have that this time on our pod and uh, we're getting close to our finish anything you want to add i don't think so okay then let's talk about our alternative sports roundup it turns out in our in our conversations beforehand uh, so i'm a i'm a soccer fan i follow uh, the gunners that would be the arsenal soccer team and hopefully uh, we're going to continue to improve i don't want to talk about any results right now not going to do it. Oh. And you're a, a ladies, a ladies basketball fan. I am. And so, are we? Are we still in season for the ladies basketball season? No, we've been out of season for quite a while. Okay. Are we getting close to the beginning of? I think practices might start in the next couple of months, but the season won't start until June. Probably. Okay, got it. So, do you watch any sport then? Mm. Any other sport? Uh, not. You know, I don't like seek out to watch any other sports, but okay. if something is on, you know, like maybe college basketball. Or uh, family members who like football. So okay, are you a football fan? No. Do you do you understand the game? It has been explained to me. Yeah, I think I'm in the same way. Yeah. It's been explained to me. I'm not not being native. It's not the same though. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, I understand like the rules mostly. 
mostly. I don't know with that whole knee down or if the ball crosses no, the plane. Yeah, right. Okay. But uh, there are definitely nuances, like mm-hmm. sitting there with someone in there going to go, oh, no, 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 squib kick it. Okay, why not? I uh, don't quite understand. Well, I do know what one is, but, you know, there are many nuances. Squib kick, mm-hmm. it's when it bounces a lot irregularly. Oh, that's what that's called. Yeah, so you, I guess a lot of top spin on the ball. And mm-hmm. it, not an onside kick. There's a difference between an onside and a squib. You'll ask me. Yeah, okay. Last thing, though, it's coming up to the Winter Olympics. Winter Olympics. Winter Olympics. Not as much fun as the Summer Olympics. <gasps> better, Mm-mm. better. They're like the they're like the genius younger brother of the Olympics. The, the other Olympics gets all the glory, but winter is like genius. Yeah. No, take it or leave it. Take it or leave it. Mm-hmm. They have firearms in biathlon. You can shoot things. That one is pretty cool. I'm gonna go with. Uh, I'm gonna go with this. I'm gonna every every pod between now and the finish of the Winter Olympics. Maybe not like. The 2018 Winter Olympics, maybe until the Winter Olympics actually finishes. I'm going with I'm going with snowshoe running should be an event. Okay. Have you ever tried this? I would watch that. Have you ever tried this snowshoe running? No. Brutal. It's wonderful. Like it. It's wonderful. It, but it's tough. It's tough. It's wonderful. It's tough. It's got to be. That's that's legitimate. It's legitimate. Mm-hmm. They have figure skating and ice dancing, right? I mean, yeah. they're doubling down on that. Mm-hmm. They're doubling down on that. I take it nothing away from the athletes. Again, please. I just, I desperately don't understand the difference between an ice dance and figure skating. Good question. Yeah, it is. And I know there are plenty of people out there who think me ignorant for not knowing the difference. And I apologize for my ignorance. No, I'm looking forward. Biathlon is definitely something I look forward to. Seeing as we're here in, in Minnesota, we have something called crashed ice. Have you ever seen crashed ice? Do you know what I'm talking to? It's the one about? where they build the big yes. hill. Yes. Yeah. And they skate down. That's the one. So stressed out, I feel like someone's gonna like get stepped on. Get stepped on. Lose a hand. Got it. Like skated over. Yeah. Okay. Like there's gonna be body parts mm-hmm. at the end. Got it. Well, there's something I. I it's not skiathlon because skiathlon is where they. That, that's another cool sport. It's a multi-sport. That's where they do Nordic skiing, but mm-hmm. sometimes they do what's called the classical technique, and then sometimes they do the skate technique or the freestyle technique. It's this one where they do skiing like on a BMX course. It's wonderful. It's absolutely amazing. Have you ever seen Olympic BMXing? Is it a thing? Is that a sport? Is that a sport? Is that a sport? It's It's BMX, bicycle motocross. BMX, right? Mm -hmm. And it's adults on kids' bikes. (laughs) It's a wonderful sport. It's an incredible sport. But is it in the Olympics? Yes. It's in the the Olympics. Yes! So that's an Olympic sport, but baseball isn't? For obvious reasons. The Olympics takes place over three weeks. Can you imagine what it would be like if baseball were involved? You'd be finishing one Olympics and it would be just time for the next. I'm not a huge fan of baseball, but I feel like if you were to choose between BMX and baseball, I would probably watch baseball. Okay, you'd probably watch baseball. Mm-hmm. You've never seen a BMX race then, have you? No. It's fast and it's furious. And it's got jumps and grown men and women acting like they're not grown men or women. They're acting like they're 12 years old again, like in their backyard building jumps, right? And I I half expect, I half expect at one of the events that one of the competitors from the previous round who didn't make it has to lie down in the middle of the track and they all have to bunny hop him. You know, that kind of a deal. Right, just like it was in your in your schoyard or or uh, in, on your street when you were growing up, it's amazing. Um, BMX is uh, is it's very legitimate. It, it's it's a tough thing, and they spend so much time in the air. It's crazy. And the snow equivalent, 
I don't know exactly. Is it called Snow Cross? Could be called Snow. Could be called Ski Cross. I think it's got Cross in it. I think it got the title Cross. Familiar. Okay, we're gonna watch. We're gonna watch Snow Cross or Ski Cross or whatever the Cross event is, and you're gonna be converted. Okay. It's gonna be like crashed ice, but on skis mm-hmm. on a BMX course mm-hmm. in snow, and you're gonna love it. Okay. Okay. Take a word for it. Okay. What about like downhill skiing? No. Mm, nope. No. Figure dancing. I mean, excuse me. Figure skating. You're a figure skating fan. I like to watch it. That's my guilty pleasure. Uh, yeah. I knew there'd be something. Mm-hmm. I knew there'd be something in there. It's kind of like gymnastics, right? Yep. It's like the gymnastics in the summer. Wonderful to watch. Finishing or our closing segment, and that closing segment is called Try Speak. So another one of the wonderful things about triathlon is it's absolutely full of just sort of little inside phrases or, or words or something like that, like like VO2 max, right? That's, that's mm-hmm. something. And I know that's a very technical term about running or something like that. Or we can talk about bricks. Have you done any hard bricks recently? You know, And we can talk about your pain cave or something of that nature, right? All these things, all these things. But we're going to finish out finish our segment. And so the one that I used just recently, and I'm going to ask you to explain it. So I said to you, I said, "Oh man, I just I just got I just got done with a workout. I have to excuse me. I got to." And here we go. Quote: Get some calories on board. Okay. Get some calories on board. W- please translate my try speak. If I had to guess, I'd say you're hungry after working out, so you need to eat. Good. I'd say I'd say you're eight. 87.2% there. Not bad. Not bad. Not bad. Not bad for an opening. It's, it's definitely got to do with eating. Solid B plus. Yeah, exactly. That's a, yeah, solid B plus for for an opening. Yeah. For an opening, I think it's great. Get some calories on board. So you said I, I finished my workout. Mm-hmm. I'm hungry. Yep. And now I need to eat. Yes. Okay. And now just to decipher that, it's a little more sciencey than that. So get some calories on board. Omit the I'm hungry. You're not hungry. No, no, no. I might be hungry, but that's not the point. The point is I finished my workout. So the clock is ticking as to how much protein-carbohydrate ratio I need in order to balance my electrolytes and calorie profile in order to replenish and be ready for tomorrow. Ha-ha! You lost me. <laughs> you don't eat because you're hungry. Are you sure about that? Yeah, you got to get some calories on board. Okay. Yeah. You eat because you've worked out. Mm-hmm. That's probably a bad thing to say. <laughs> I don't want to... I don't want to be... So responsible for many types of many types of eating disorders in this world. But when a triathlete says I got to get some calories on board, what they're basically saying is, yeah, I got to, I got to. Like we don't drink, right? We rehydrate. Mm-hmm. Um, those types of things. Got to get some calories on board is 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 trying to say, oh yeah, I've got to replenish what I have just lost, and there's a certain time frame that I'm being very sensitive to. Okay. Okay. All right. With that, uh, I am Graham Wright aka the red rabbit and i'm here with isabel aka the scandinavian maven yeah well played and thank you very much for listening to the channel 3 podcast hope you'll download the next one all right see you soon bye-bye